Hey, welcome to the Communities Podcast. We hope this message will encourage, challenge, and ultimately grow you in your walk with Jesus. Subscribe for weekly messages and share this message with your community. Let's dig in. Good. Awesome. Morning, everybody. We're going to get stuck into the Word this morning. Whenever I ask Jeremy, what am I preaching on this morning? He says to me, the stage. So... If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the stage. <laughs> you can go to 1 Kings 19. And so this morning, um, um, I just want to share a little bit for those who have their full Bible here, not just the New Testament. <laughs> so 1 Kings chapter number 19 is in the Old Testament. And so... Um, uh, I just want to share something this morning that I, I believe the Holy Spirit has been talking to me about, and, and that is just trusting in His voice. And uh, oftentimes, I think we lose our hope when we're praying for things and things don't come to pass as they, we believe they should. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So if you take care of the hope, you'll not lose your faith. And oftentimes, we lose the faith because we've lost the hope. And sometimes when we trust in the voice of the Lord, we sometimes feel let down. And we sometimes feel like, I prayed for this thing. I prayed for this woman to be my wife. And then she turned out crazy. And then I didn't get the wife that I wanted. How many people can relate? <laughs> that was a test. I'm going to make your Sunday uncomfortable for you. You shouldn't have answered so quickly. <laughs> But sometimes what happens is when you're trusting in the voice, I don't know how many of you have trusted God and been brave enough, because to take faith, to have faith, means you have to have some guts. It means you have to have some, some strong, strong, just stones on you to be able to believe. Because sometimes when you're believing for things, it doesn't necessarily always work out the way that you want them to do. How many people can relate to me? We pray for businesses and then they fall apart. We pray for marriages, they fall apart. We pray for kids and then they turn out like them kids turn out sometimes. And we pray and we pray and we pray and sometimes we lose the faith and it feels like we've lost. And this morning I want to encourage you that our hope should be in the person Jesus. And sometimes when I ask the Lord, Lord, how can I trust you after you've told me to trust you? He says to me, Nicholas, look at my resume. Look at the experience of God. And that's why following the nation Israel or just keeping tabs on them is so important because God's word was spoken over that nation. And that nation was unlocked in one man called Abraham and so when you see the word that was given to Abraham how he walked with the Lord and how God fetched his generations to bring them back you can trust in the man Jesus because sometimes it feels like God how can I pray and believe that you're healing me when your word says by my stripes you are healed and then it doesn't happen and sometimes people die but here's the here's the thing everybody Jesus healed still died because death has been appointed to all of us. But how do I know if I'm going to stand up? And that's why I love the Bible. When, when Jesus rose up and he got up, he didn't just get up and then run away from the Roman soldiers that crucified him. He hanged out for 40 days. What I love about that is when he got up, the Bible says with infallible proof, there were 500 people that stood up with him as a sign to say that when he gets up, 
you get up with him to say that when he stood up you'll stand again and i'm here this morning to tell you that you can trust in his voice and we're here this morning going to discover see how we can discover and find his voice and i want to tell you this morning that no matter what happens to you there will come a time when you will stand up and sometimes it feels that your body is too weak to stand up there is a spirit of god that is inside each one of you that will help you and encourage you because the inner man strengthens the outer man and you will stand up touch somebody next to you and say you will stand up it doesn't matter how disappointing life is it doesn't matter how hard it gets it doesn't matter how many prayers were not answered i'm here this morning to tell you that you will get up and you will stand up because the spirit of god will be inside of you he will raise you for the same power that raised jesus from the dead will raise you from the dead even though you come into this church acting like you're dead sitting here i'm telling you now that the spirit of god is inside of you that will raise you up and will get you up and it doesn't matter how many times the devil comes knocking at your door to take you out there is a jesus that lives inside of you that will constantly resist him that's why your bible says stand and having done everything to stand stand therefore again because when he wrote that paul he had this assurance of himself to saying there is a spirit of god that is inside of me that will help me to stand no matter what i go through that's why he wrote in his last book romans 8 where he said, I am convinced that neither, neither depth, depth, nor height, nor anything in this world, nor angels, nor demons, nor the EFF, nor anybody can separate me from the love of Jesus. Sorry, Julius. Uh, just love, brother, love. I'm here to tell you this morning that Paul, who wrote that, which was his last epistle that he wrote, he was put in such state that when I reference Galatians 17, Galatians was his first epistle. Romans was his last epistle. In fact, Paul was so persecuted that people used to laugh at him when they saw him because he was mutilated. He was ripped. His whole skin was ripped open from the persecution that he went under for preaching the gospel. He found himself in such sewage sometimes that they had to tie ropes around him to, so that he wouldn't drown in the sewage. That was the prison that he was in. And he comes to the end of his life, and then he writes Romans 8. I'm convinced. I, knowing a little bit about Paul's life, would say, you're nuts. But he would say, I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. I'm convinced no persecution. I'm convinced no famine. I'm convinced no fear. I'm convinced no depression. I'm convinced no anxiety. I'm convinced no war happening in the world is going to separate me from the love of God. I'm convinced in his first epistle, he carried about him the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must remember, this is the same guy that got stoned. I don't know how many of you here have been stoned or know about how they used to stone people. But they used to throw stones at you until it heaped a, a little pyramid on you. And then once you have fallen down, they used to take the biggest stone they had, stand over your head. And then they would take the stone and throw it on your head to make sure that you were dead. Paul was stoned, not for being a hooligan. He was stoned for telling them, Jesus Christ came for you. And then for him to write, I am convinced to, for him to have written, I have not lost the faith. I 
have done everything to stand, stand therefore again. I have held on. We sometimes read the epistles not knowing the history behind them. But when Timothy wrote to Paul, it's not in your Bible, but when Timothy had written to Paul, he had written to him and said, I have come to a place where I am burnt out. I have come to a place where I am tired. Timothy was the senior pastor of a church in Ephesus. Some scholars reckon that that church was 150,000 to 250,000 people strong. Timothy started out as a 17-year-old boy when he stepped up and became the minister, the pastor, the head bishop of that church. 17-year-old stepping up. I know that some of you, when you were 17, couldn't tie your own shoelaces, but 17 he was raising up a church and he had written to Paul at the age of about 21, 22 years old. And he said, I'm tired. So when Paul wrote back to him in second Timothy, not once does, Tim does Paul say to Timothy, it's okay, my boy, you can take a sabbatical. I'll throw you some more money and then you can just chill by the ocean. He said to him, don't grow weary of doing good. He had written to him and said to him, you have a sound mind. You do not have the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. So when he had written back to him, he reminded him of who he was. He reminded of him trusting that small, still voice that says, Timothy, I am convinced the same faith that it existed in I saw in your grandmother, that existed in your mother, is existing inside of you. And I'm here to remind you to trust in the small, still voice because God has not given you a spirit of fear. You, community, do not have to be afraid of anything. You have been given love and of power and of sound mind. You have the sound mind. Touch somebody next to you and say, keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. When you see your wife losing her stuff, you got a reminder of who she is and who she married. When you see your husband losing his stuff, you can kick him under the behind and then remind him of who he is and who he married. You've got to know that when you have come to with me, you have bunked up with me. The only thing that doesn't add to the sum total is a zero. And I am more than a zero. I'm adding value to you. So when we got married, I'm here bunking up with you. I add value. I'm here walking the road with you. You are not doing this thing alone. We in this house are in communion in the name of Jesus. And so this morning, I want to tell you about trusting his small, still voice that regardless of how it looks out there, how to identify his small, still voice. How many of you have the Spirit of God living inside of you? That means that the Spirit of God speaks to you. And if you don't believe that God speaks to you, just look at a woman and observe her. The reason why I say that is because when God created man, he created in his likeness and in his image. That's what your Bible says. Then your Bible says, where did the woman come from? God pulled her out of man. Meaning that, this, that what the, the likeness and the character and the nature of that exists inside of a woman was originally inside of a man. That was originally inside of God. God's design. And when you observe women, especially little girls, from two years old, they've got cameras. These guys do this from a psychological perspective. They, they observe and then they see two-year-old boys will sit there by themselves, playing with cars. But a girl, two years old, 
heckling like a chicken. It's how God created them to speak. Now, if God created them to speak, what think makes you think that God himself doesn't like speaking? What makes you think that God himself doesn't like to chat your ear off? What makes you think that God is just up in heaven silent? Does he not say in John 10, my sheep hear my voice? And you know how they got those sheep to hear their voice of the shepherds or how it works in the, in the Middle East back in the day? is the shepherds would walk in front of the sheep. They would walk in front of the sheep, and then they would talk to the sheep, and the sheep would follow them. They would hear the voice. And then when the sheep would walk away and didn't hear the voice anymore, the shepherd would go find that sheep. Remember Jesus' story, 99 sheep. Then he would take the sheep. Then he would break the leg of the sheep. Then he would have to pick up the sheep and put him on his shoulders so that the ear of the sheep was near the voice of the shepherd and so that the sheep would again become familiar with the voice and oftentimes what happens in life when it goes hard and difficult with you and it feels like you've trusted in his voice but he you haven't heard him in a while is because he allows life to sometimes break your legs so that he can pick you up and put you on his shoulder because then the ear of the sheep is near the shepherd's voice so that you can get, become a familiar with his voice again so that by the time the leg heals he walks the sheep knows that's the voice of my shepherd because I've been on his shoulder. That's why when you get hurt, God will bring you close to himself. That's why the first thing that you do when someone gets hurt on a rugby field or on a football field or anything, what's the first thing the physio does is he straps the arm that you broke or the leg or whatever. He brings it close to the body. So when you're getting hurt and when your life has knocked you down, the first thing you're supposed to do is come close to his body the first thing that you're supposed to do is come back to communion the first thing that you're supposed to do is tie yourself back that's why a church that points fingers and a church that kicks people out when things are hard is not from the lord that is not god's heart in god says the same thing he said to peter when he asked to call a fire from heaven he said you don't know what spirit you are of when somebody is hurt when somebody is messed up when somebody is broke when somebody wants to fall into all sorts of sin the first thing we're supposed to do is tie oh you're just broke baby let me just tie that arm back into the body because when you come close to the body give it six weeks and you'll be fine you're going to be here when you come close to the body you hear the voice of God some of you the reason why we preach is so that we may preach the word of the Lord because sometimes we've listened so much to the word of the world that we've forgotten the word of God and therefore we are unable to identify the voice of our father and so sometimes he allows you that when you're following the world to be to to get broken when you follow when you follow the world you trip and you fall and then after you fall and he says he's there he comes and finds you and picks you up and puts him on your shoulders and like he carried that cross for you he will carry you because that cross represented everybody's sin so if he carried everybody's sin trust me he can carry yours and so he would carry you and bring you back to the body and then he would tie you in again with some community he would tie you in back into communion so that you could be healed am i speaking to anybody this morning morning god is ready to tie you back that's why things didn't work out for you the way that you did it your way this is one of my favorite movies is with dwayne the rock johnson he's the wwe superstar yes i used to watch wrestling i wasn't fully delivered just to find out that i used to love the rock and then god introduced me to the rock of ages 
he also raises his eyebrow and lays smack down on the devil. Uh, rock bottom. But the rock was in this movie and it was based on a true story called The Gridiron Gang. And The Gridiron Gang is a cool movie if you haven't watched it. Yes, I've also got some issues. I do watch TV from time to time. Pray for me. And I was watching this movie, The Gridiron Gang, and it's based on a true story of a football coach that went into a juvenile center. And he said this to the juvenile center, it's, it's the last stop for those boys before they go to prison. And he made a football team, you know, NFL football, not soccer, football team. And he took a bunch of these gangsters, these little naughty boys, and he made this football team. And then he has this speech and he says, you guys are all losers because you did it your way. But I'm here to tell you that if you do it our way, the gridiron gang way, you're going to walk out here winners. You are, you, life sucks for you because you're losers because you did it your way. And I'm here to tell you that if you do it God's way, you're going to be winners. <laughs> that when life knocked you down, I'm here to tell you that you're going to get up and God's going to make you a winner. So just keep getting up. That's why I say the scripture, therefore, of doing everything that you've done to stand, stand therefore again. God is backing you when you just get up. All he needs you to do is move your legs in a position and raise yourself and he'll do the rest. He will do the rest. Amen. Amen and amen. Okay, that was my introduction. Now again to scripture. The way that God speaks to us is he doesn't always come to us with a loud voice that goes, Nicholas, this is God. He doesn't do that. He comes to you in a familiar way. He comes to you in a familiar way. He comes to you so that you would remember his voice. And when he speaks to you, he reaches out to you like he reached out to Samuel. He, when he speaks to you, he comes to you sounding like Eli, the voice that you were familiar with. And when he comes to you, he makes sense to you. He doesn't come to you speaking Hebrew. He doesn't come to you speaking Syriac Aramaic. He doesn't come to you in the Greek. He comes to you in your language. He comes to you and he speaks your mother tongue. He comes to you and he understands how you think because he knows your mind. And when he speaks to you, he sounds like someone familiar to you because he's there to remind you where you come from. Remember this, what we say to sinners. You know, when you see a sinner, whenever I go to my in-law's house and I see Shaul there, the first thing I say is, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, what the word repent means, is the word repent means two things. One, change the way that you think about God. And then second, change what you're doing. But turn around. In other words, I was moving in this direction. Repent means go back. Okay, so when we see sinners, we say, repent. Now, when you are a sinner, and you have never met God, and you hear a voice that tells you, repent, you hear a voice that says, go back. Where did I come from to go back to? I'm, I'm pausing for effect. <laughs> Where did you come from? 
Because everything was locked up in him. Where did you come from? So when you tell a sinner, repent, you're not, don't come with your harshness. Don't come with this, thus saith the Lord, repent. There's just a voice that says, come home. Come home. Come home. That is what prophets did throughout the whole Old Testament, constantly telling Israel, come home. I'm here to tell you, that before that you were made, you were in him, locked up in him. Before the foundations of the world, you were in him. Meaning that when he speaks to you, he speaks with the familiar voice, knowing whom he is speaking to, because you were always in him. That's why David wrote and said, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Doesn't matter where I go. Even Jonah, who was in the fish belly, the belly of a fish, which means that he was dead, that when he spoke, his spirit heard and recognized the voice of his own child, and he would go and fetch him. That's why Jesus came to us and said, you being evil know how to do good things for your children. How much more your father, who is good, is not going to do for you. There is a voice that says, come home. And every single time you hear the voice repent, it's not an angry God saying to you, look at this child, kick him. There's a voice that says, that's not who you are. Come home. Come back. You enjoy the drinking and the booze and the cigarettes and the woman. That's not who you are. There's a better way. I'm going to satisfy you a way a woman can never satisfy you. I'm going to give you, I'm going to put you on such a high. No drug could ever put you on that high. I'm going to make you relax such a way that John Daniels couldn't get you to relax. It's John, if you've known him as long as I have. If, if there is a voice that calls him to say, come back home. There's a voice that says, come back and turn. There's a voice that says, when you touch this thing, you are filled with this dirt, and I know who you are because you were always in me. You were always in me before you were. So when I say repent, I'm saying come back to whom I originally made you to be. And that's why when we identify the voice of God, I'm going to read a scripture to you in Isaiah 30, verse, verse 21. It's not 1 Kings. Stay at 1 Kings. I'm going to get to 1 Kings now. But your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, "What? this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whether you turn to the left, what the prophet Isaiah is saying to us is that trusting in his voice is you've got to trust in that small, still voice that says, turn left. Or turn right. You've got to trust in that small, still voice that speaks into your heart that says, this what you're watching is right. This what you're doing isn't good. You, you know, I saw you lose your stuff with your wife. I saw it. But that's not the way we do things here. And you hear the small, still voice that says, I've got to go make right again. Sorry, baby, I'm still under construction. I'm still a man. Forgive me for the way that I've spoken to you. There's a still small voice that speaks to you that says, come here. I'll show you a better way. I'll show you a higher way. You're seated in heavenly places. I will show you more than what you could ever think of or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. I'll show you another way that I can introduce you into something that you've never met before because I made you to fly. I made you to excel. 
I made you to be up. I didn't make you to be down. That's why we read in Deuteronomy 28 that you're the head and not the tail. Because when I'm blessed you, when you walk, you walk first. Why do I walk first when he is first? Because I am in him. I am in Christ Jesus, and wherever Christ Jesus goes, so there I go. And when you see me act the fool and you see me act like a sinner, just know he's still under construction. Just give him time. Just give him time. Just give him time. God's desire is for all men to repent, 1 Peter. God's desire is for all men to repent because there's a desire from heaven to say, come back home. Come back home. Where I don't know anybody is that like me, but to drive with me is terrible. To drive, to go on holiday with me is bad. And I'm always afraid of the unknown. Whenever I'm driving somewhere, I go down to Cape Town every year, every second year, and we go down to visit family. I drive with Ilana. Now I'm driving. And I used to drive a Land Rover that had sat navigation, satellite navigation. It was the worst satellite navigation in the world. Even the mechanic said to me, if you follow this thing, you're going to get lost. But I, for some reason, always put it on. And then I have my phone. And then my phone is arguing with my car. And I'm just like, can you make your mind up where I'm supposed to go? But when I'm traveling with Ilana and, and, she's, and we're driving somewhere, I don't know about you, but I'm like this. I, don't, I, I have a bit of a fear of the unknown. So I, know, I like to know where I'm going. So I'm like, we climb in the car and we leave. It's a 14-hour trip. And then I say to her, which turnoff must I take? And she says, the turnoff is in 1,400 kilometers. And I'm like, cool. Ten minutes later, I'm like, which is the turnoff's name again? And she's like, it's 1,300 kilometers. <laughs> and then after another ten minutes, I'm like, where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to? And then all of a sudden, you find that my wife says, I'll fly down, you drive by yourself. So when I, so when I, when I drive down and I'm driving by myself, I'm checking my phone all the time. And there's this woman on my phone that speaks to me. And I'm always constantly, where am I going? Is this thing still on? Is it still working? But when I'm in town and I want to listen to my favorite story, I go to the mall and I still put the thing on. I don't know why I do that. But then I put the thing on because it's in my calendar to go to this meeting. And I know where it is, but it's in my calendar. So, I, you know, you just put the maps on and then go. And as I'm going, and I'm trying to put my favorite song on, this voice tells me 300 meters turn left, 400 meters turn right, and 500 meters go around the circle, take the first exit. And then I'm following this thing. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. I'm following this thing. Right? But when I'm going on a long road and I'm going straight, this thing says nothing to me. Sometimes when we're following the Lord, and there's short corners to take. The satellite navigation system of the Lord is telling you, go left, go right, go, go up, go down, take the second exit. When you're on the move and you're going somewhere, all of a sudden the Lord speaks and tells you all sorts of things. And all sorts of people are now prophets around you, telling you where to go. And then you hit the long road and you're following God. And all of a sudden you hear the voice of the Lord and it sounds like this. Nothing. And then you check. Is this thing broken? Is it on? Because I'm praying 
still praying two hours in tongues. I'm paying my tithes like they're telling me to pay my tithes. And I'm, and I'm praying and I'm fasting and I'm listening to worship music all time in my car. It's podcasts or worship and I'm not hearing anything. I don't get a dream. I don't get a nightmare. I don't get nothing. Not even the dust in my house moves and I hear nothing. And I wonder, where am I going? And I wonder, where am I going? And here's the interesting thing about the voice of God. 1 Kings 19 verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Just to give you some context, this is God speaking to Elijah. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and a strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Interesting thing about God between Genesis and Revelation is about understanding and revealing the nature and the character of who God is. So whenever you're reading your Bible, read it in such a way that this is revealing who God is. He comes in a big wind and this wind rips into the mountain. He comes in a big earthquake. It splits open up the earth. He comes with this fire that consumes things. And he's in none of those things. He's in but the still, small voice. Now here's the problem with still, small voices. Because here is a question for you that I've been asking myself for the last three years. What is the difference between someone that is delusional and someone that has faith? Because, let's be honest, if you observe people that have faith, they look crazy. I'm not going to lie to you. They look a little nuts. Because they're believing something that you can't see. And sometimes what they say is, you and your imaginary friend, Jesus, you guys go somewhere and do something because they have not yet had the reality of meeting him. So to them, he's imaginary, but to you, he's life. To you, he's first. To you, he's lost. To you, he's everything and he's your covering. He's everything that keeps you together. Amen. So to you, God is more to others. So don't get angry when people say to you about your imaginary friend, Jesus. All you have to do is say, oh, my bad. He hasn't revealed himself to you yet. You keep on living, hopefully. I'm going to keep following him. I'm going to keep trusting in the small, still voice that speaks to me in my conscience. And I'm here this morning to tell some of you who have not heard the voice of God, the reason why you have not heard the voice of God is, number one, either A, brother, sister, you haven't yet moved, or B, you're on the straight and the narrow. And the GPS isn't broken. God is not speaking to you because you're still moving forward. And I'm here this morning to tell you and remind you that the one thing that God is requiring from all of us is to continuously move. And I want to ask you this about your life this morning. Where are you and where are you going to? I want to ask you this morning, have you heard God speak to you? And I want to ask you, if he hasn't spoken to you, are you standing still? Or are you exactly in the place that he wants you to be?
Because there's a peace that will come upon some of you this morning. The fact that you haven't heard him speak to you is because not because he isn't speaking. It's because you've not yet reached your destination. Because as I'm driving that 1,400 kilometers, and as I get closer to the town that I'm entering, then all of a sudden my GPS comes alive and begins to tell me 300 meters turn left. Stop at that stop street and turn right. And then make a circle. And some of you this morning are concerned because it feels like you've heard the voice of God, but you've taken the wrong off-ramp. But that happens when you're a first-time GPS user like myself. When I was a first-time GPS user, when it says 300 meters turn left, I'm a, I don't know what 300 meters looks like. I don't, like who knows that? There's this road, it's bending, and it's up, and it's down. Who's, I don't know, I know that's 300 meters. And then I end up turning left, and then it says rerouting. I'm like, why are you rerouting? I'll turn left. Because I turned left at like 50 meters. Because there's a voice that says, you've taken up the wrong off-ramp. Turn around. Repent. Come back. And when God is telling us, turn around. Come back. All he's doing is taking you back to the path that you're supposed to be walking on. All he's telling you to do is you've gone too early. You've taken up too late. And there's a voice that comes back and says to you, come home. And you sometimes judge God by your time frame. But David himself wrote in the scriptures and says, God, remember that I'm still flesh. And remember that my time is short. Speak to me. The time of man is like the withering of grass. It's like this and it's over. But I'm here to tell you that there is a God who knows your time. And I'm here this morning to tell you that when you have missed the off-ramp, God has got a voice ready for you to get you to turn back. I'm here to tell you this morning that his GPS is still updated with the latest software and his GPS is not going to lead you on unnamed roads. He knows exactly where he's taking you because we have a God in heaven that says, I know your end from your beginning. And so I saw you tripping on those stones. So I've already put things in place. I've already put you into the right church. I already put that friend back in your life. I've already surrounded you with the right people that when you fall, they're there to catch you. That's why some people enter in your life at a certain time and that's why they leave at a certain time is because God himself knows your end from your beginning and all he's asking you this morning is to trust the small still voice that will tell you where to go and if he isn't speaking to you you're on the straight and you're narrow and I'm here to tell you just keep on keeping on just keep moving forward just keep doing what he's telling you to do, what he told you to do the last time and you'll just keep moving and if you've gone the wrong way. Trust in the voice that will call you back. We sometimes have, give more faith to the devil's call than God's call. But God's call is bigger than the devil's call. God's pulling is bigger than the devil's pulling. He will pull you back. He will reroute you. And that same still small voice that's in you is in your children. He will pull them out of the fire. He will pull them out of the way. Trust in his process. Trust in him. There was one still small voice that Jesus listened to when he started out his ministry. You know the story. There was Jesus. We don't know anything about him until he's about the age of 12. Then we know that he shook some things up, educated his mother about where he was at. And then he, we see him about the age of 30. The age of 30 means priesthood. He was ready to step up into his ministry. Then he gets baptized. 
we do not have any evidence knowing that God had spoken to Jesus before this time. We just know that when he got baptized, he came out and there was a voice from heaven that says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the voice said to him, to the wilderness, to the desert, to the dry place, to being there by yourself. Now he was there fasting 40 days. I know some of you haven't been able to fast for 40 minutes, but he fasted 40 days. No judgment, safe space. And he walks. How many of you have ever been in the wilderness? And you think that when you're in the wilderness, you're not in God's will anymore. Because things got tough. But when I listened to Kenneth Copeland's ministries, they told me when I give money, I'm going to be blessed. And I'm in the wilderness. And I don't understand what's happening. There's no hatred for Kenneth if he's listening. I love you. You've taught me a lot. God bless you, sir. I'm not hating on anybody. But he goes into the wilderness. And how many times when we judge what God's doing based on where we are? How many times did we judge God? He's no longer with me. He dropped me like my last boyfriend. See? He walked out just like my daddy walked out. Can't trust no man. And we judge him. But there was Sarah. She was barren for 90 years. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews 11 verse 12, she judged him faithful. She judged him faithful. Because she trusted in a small still voice that was locked up in Abraham. Now, if I was Sarah, I would have been like, this old man's cooked. You know, like, he's crazy. He's nuts. He was rich. He was wealthy. He left his father's house. And then he went out to some desert place. And then he said, wherever I'm walking, God's going to give to me. Mm -hmm. My mom warned me about you, but no. I still got married to you. Talk to me, women. You know what I'm talking about. And she was 90 years, and Abraham said, you'll have a baby. In fact, when God spoke and said, Sarah will have a baby, what did Sarah do? She burst out laughing. Now, God could have got offended and be like, say what now? And pull his presence back. But instead, he said, what did you do? She said, nothing. He said, what did you do? I heard you laugh. You can call your son Isaac. Laughter. One who brings joy. You can name him at that very moment. That's how wonderful God is. He gets you into your moment. And then what happens? Isaac is there. And the writer of Hebrews says, she judged him faithful. Because it doesn't matter about the wilderness that you were in. I trusted in a small still voice that got me into this place. I thought I was crazy. I thought I heard something else. It there was a great wind. There was a great fire. There was a great earthquake. And all those things look great when there's people around you. You see, see, God did tell me because all of these things. But nobody can see a small still voice. And so when that small still voice took Jesus into the wilderness, he was there for 40 days. And then what happens? He meets that booger, the little guy with the stick. The devil comes to Jesus and he says, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, 
Jesus could have been there and said, I trusted this mortal voice that told me to leave my mom's house and go into the wilderness, and now I've got the devil. Is this really God's way? How many of you can relate? I trusted in his voice, and now I'm here dealing with this booger. Now I'm here dealing with the devil. I'm away from my friends. I'm away from my family because I trusted in him, and I'm in the wilderness. But I'm here to tell you, every single time God sent a son into the wilderness, he promoted him when he came out. Because when Israel left e Egypt, they went into the wilderness and they walked into the land and they took giants out because the desert prepared them for the giants. So when you go through a wilderness, it's a preparation place to get you ready for what you're about to have. So when Jesus left the wilderness, he wrestled with the devil for, for a few times, for a few moments, and then the devil left him for a moment. And then when he left there, he left with such power he left with such authority that the scholars, that the scribes, that the Pharisees were wondered and bewildered by this man. And they saw the authority that they've never seen before. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is healing people, raising dead people from the, from, from the dead, bringing them back to life. He's there opening up eyes, opening up ears. He's there speaking life and he's there representing the kingdom of God. I'm saying to you this morning that if you trust in the small, still voice, yes, it will get hard. Yes, you will find yourself in wilderness places yes your friends will leave you yes sometimes your family will turn their backs but I'm telling you that once you have gone through that wilderness and you come out there is an authority there is a promised land there is a blessing waiting for you and your life that if you trust in his still small voice he will reward that trust with himself because when, when, when one of the disciples came to Jesus and said, show us the Father, he said, Philip, how long have I been with you? And you're asking me to show you the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Trusting in the small, still voice gets you into a place where he will conform you. He will transform you, that you will begin to look like him and be a light. And this is what God says about lights. He says, no one has a light or a lampstand and then covers it. He puts it on a hill. In other words, he takes him to a high place. In other words, he promotes him. In other words, he puts you in a place where other people can see you. He takes you in front and says, because this one was able to trust the small, still voice. Therefore, I will trust him with the kingdom. I will trust him with the power and the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. There is a reward that is for you that when you trust, he promotes you. Now, I know Ruan is here, a great biblical scholar, and he's telling me, prove it. I'm glad you asked me that question. Let's carry on reading what happens in 1 Kings 19. So it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus brings us to places. He brings a big wind. He brings a big fire. He brings a big earthquake and then asks you what you're doing here. Like, like what now? Am I in the right place? Is this thing on? 
This is what God does. He asks you questions. Like, what do you mean? What am I doing here? You brought me here. What do you mean, what am I doing here? You told me, come to the altar, come to the altar. I came to the altar. Now you're asking me, what am I doing here? Because when he's asking you what you're doing here, he's making you dependent. He's making you from dependency to independency. He makes you, so in other words, words, what I'm saying is he comes close to you changes you, conforms you, and then stands away from you so that everybody can observe the mod clay. Everybody can observe what he's done and then stands back and says, speak for yourself now. Because in every Jewish house, the father always spoke when they did business until the son was ready. And then the father would stand back and says, everything the son says is as if I've said it. You're not getting in. In other words, God is conforming you in such a way that when you speak, people will go, this is what God is saying. In other words, he's conformed you in such a way that sometimes he's pulling away from you, not because he's leaving you alone and not because he's leaving you to be by yourself. He's pulling away from you so that people can stand and say, well, work what God has done. That's why when you show them your fruit, they may glorify your Father in heaven. No tree can bear fruit if he's still under another the tree he's got to pull away okay i'm preaching to myself i'm just gonna carry on around here what and then he said i have been very zealous for the lord elijah responding to god verse 14 of the lord of god of hosts because the children of israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword i alone am left and they seek to take my life then the lord said to him go return on your way to the wilderness of damascus and when you arrive anoint hazel the king of syria also anoint jehu the son of nimshi as the king of israel and elijah the son of shaphat of abel melo you shall anoint as prophet in your place Sometimes, when it feels like God is replacing you, it's not because you did a bad job. He's replacing you because he's about to take you higher. He's replacing you because the chariots of Israel are waiting to to take you. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, and all those knees have bowed to Baal, and every mouth has not kissed him. We know the story that if you carry on reading Elijah, he eventually from that moment goes and finds Elisha, puts his mantle on Elisha, and then he starts the training. He starts the training. Some people believe that Elisha was with Elijah for 14 years before God went and then took Elijah. So God leaves you around to prepare somebody else so that he may take you. God is not in the business of demotion. God is not in the business of resignation or retrenchment. When God is busy changing things in your life and things of old are not the same anymore, it's because God's got someone ready to take your place so that he may take you 
higher because we know what happens to Elijah. He gets then raptured and God takes him up and they see Elijah is there when he sees Elijah being taken up. When the small still voice speaks to you and you begin to trust it, he takes you to obscure places. He takes you. He even presents you in front of the enemy. That's why David could write and said he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. So God shows you off. So he sees the devil coming. He says, wait, I've got to show you what I'm busy with. And then he pulls the enemy to you so that the enemy can observe and testify and witness of you and what God is doing through you just because you trusted the small, still voice. So when you've lost your businesses and things around you have gone chaos because you trusted the small, still voice, take a smile and know he's busy working on you, preparing you, getting you ready. The next step is he's going to show you off in front of some devils. And then when you're done there, they may see the kingdom. And he's placed the kingdom inside of each one of you. That's the reward you get for trusting the small, still voice. So when it gets hard, my brother, my sister, my friend, and a stranger, know that God is busy working on you in such a way to bring you to a place to take you simply up.